Hello! Welcome to another episode of Everybody A, Everybody Gay. A queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, LCO123. Nina, a proud member of the Church of Vanderjesus. And tonight's episode is Please Do Talk About Me When I'm Gone. Fortunately, we're podcasters, so you know we will. <laughs> yes, yes, we're big on the processing. <laughs> Never fear on that front. Uh, yes, this is the episode where we meet pre-head transplant Jason mm-hmm. and uh, learn a little bit more about the De Laurentiis family and a little bit more about Allison's relationship with the liars. Yes, yes, this is a very flashback-heavy episode. There's no Mona and only some light A, uh, but as you mentioned, it has uh, Jason of the First Head, and it introduces us to the legend of the Kissing Rock, and we get our first uh, sighting of Ian live and in person. So, yes. you know, it, and- it's a bit of a filler, but it does it does still have a lot of things that are going to be part of the emerging mythology of the show. Well, and uh, chief among them is the first instance of that's immortality, my darling. Yes, yes. We talk a lot about like a thesis statement of the show, and I wouldn't say that uh, that's immortality, my darlings, is a thesis statement necessarily, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely a catchphrase or a, a slogan, I would say. Totally. Is there a line that you would say qualifies as a, the thesis statement? Oh, there are so many that we uh, that true. we encounter as, as we move through the seasons. Um, you know, Barry Maple had one uh, in the most recent episode. You know, ma'am, everyone lies. Uh, you know, stuff right. like <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this is this is a fun episode. Uh, it starts with the liars having a hang at the Montgomery house. Uh, as Aria and Spencer are opening a gigantic crate, um, mm-hmm. there's some, you know, little exposition. Ella is staying in the apartment above her art gallery. Um, Aria snaps at Hannah a little bit uh, when they're kind of talking about that. Um, Spencer has spoken to the cello player uh, regarding nothing too depressing at Allison's memorial. Uh, the program is almost done. Spencer's also organizing that. Uh, they want to finalize it before Jason. Allison's brother comes to town. Right. Uh, at this this memorial piece that they have, it's it's five figures. It looks like five girls, um, and it almost looks like a like a bird bath type thing. Uh, I I refer to it as a bird bath in my notes. Um, the, yes. the figures. I mean, Aria seems to think that it's really pretty. Whether that tells you something about the style of this particular art piece, uh, but I think they sort of look like those. Um, you know those Cocopelli figures that are like small men that are made out of metal dancing with flutes? I, I think they're yeah. reminiscent of, of that particular style of art. Well, you know, one, one note that I took in this episode is that Arya is really self-congratulatory about this memorial. Like all through the episode, she's really patting herself and all the liars on the back for like putting this memorial together. That One of the weird things that I found about this birdbath sculpture, whatever you want to call it, is that it's five girls presumably the five liars and so it's a memorial to allison that's basically just honoring her friendship with these girls it's not really about her family whatsoever which is a theme that will hold true throughout this entire memorial dedication project i also found it really interesting that spencer who we will learn later is in fact 
sort of loosely a member of the De Laurentiis Drake family is so involved in this whole planning process. All of the planning takes place at the De Laurentiis house. She's the go-between with Jason. And it's sort of that way in which the show in the early seasons was sort of playing with the idea that Spencer has this extra connection to the De Laurentiis that isn't quite named, but is there. And one of my questions is, do you think that at this point, obviously at this point in the series, they hadn't come up with the Mary Drake twist and all of that. Do you think that they had come up with the fact that Jason and Spencer were siblings? Oh, my answer to that, to that is definitely yes. And I think that this first, okay. this first itineration of Jason, uh, Jason is much more of a miniature Peter Hastings. And I feel like that's yes. something that you see as he and Spencer are working together to organize the memorial. Um, before he appears, like Hannah is saying, she barely remembers him. He was just this older kid who played punk music in his room and then went off to an Ivy League school. Um, but yeah, I definitely think, um, based on the choices that they make with, with Jason and Spencer, uh, I do think that this itineration of Jason was also uh, the love child of Peter Hastings. Yeah, yeah. It would have been interesting if the later version of Jason had been the one who showed up in this episode. <laughs> um, we, the liars are talking about how once they are all gone, uh, Bath statue memorial will, will still exist and Allie will still be remembered. And Spencer remarks in a little uh, sort of approximation of Allie's voice, that's immortality, my darlings. And we cut to a flashback. Yes, a nice flashback, a liar's group scene. Uh, Allie holds court yep. on how you know superior it would be to die young, leave a beautiful corpse, go out in some mysterious and tragic way. Uh, the other liars are not into it. Um, I really love in this flashback how Allison's beach chair is higher than the others. So it's almost like a little yes. throne. And also um, props for all of these beach items they have like chairs and towels there are three wicker baskets with them bags there's like a <laughs> low stool or a table with a snack bowl on it they have really like, they have really taken beach day to a new level but i would not expect anything less from allison well as we'll see as, as we continue to to cut to these flashbacks in this episode they're all they needed all of that setup because they're all going to just pick a spot and stay there for seemingly the entire day. None of them move. None of them go anywhere. Uh, one of the interesting things about this scene is that Aria has a very Aria line where she wants to, says that she wants to choose the age that she wants to be in, which, you know, that's so Aria. Um and, and then, of course, Allie follows it up with her line about wanting to die young. And you really see that way in which Allie, without even trying, can just freak the liars out. She just knows how to push their buttons. Yeah, yeah. And it's off of Arya's line that Allison starts this, this whole thing and, and utters the, that's immortality, my darlings. Uh, back in the present day, Arya says, where'd she get that from? A movie? <laughs> and Spencer has a great line where she says, Allie was a movie which forget this memorial allison would love hearing that that's all you really need to say spencer Hastings. oh my god well and that's an interesting counterpoint with you know ezra's <clears throat> book i think and on all the holly go lightly stuff from uh their relationship uh in in the later seasons uh we we go then to the Marin house where we learn that things are a little tight around the Marin house with their finances. 
The store has taken away some of Hannah's credit cards. Ashley can't afford Chardonnay. Uh, it's very oh my god! And cheeses, no flavored waters. This is very serious. This is very serious. Poor Ashley, like she's coming home from a hard day at work and she can't even pour herself a glass of Chardonnay. Uh, we uh, there's really no mention of Tom other than that that they've gone from a two paycheck household to a one paycheck household. So Tom is clearly not kicking no, at all. No, he is not paying child support, which is ludicrous. He is the worst. Yep. Ugh. He is the worst. He is the absolute worst because we know that. Um, first of all, that house, the mortgage on that house must be enormous. That house is huge. Yes. Um, and we know that Tom does really yeah. well. So, uh, why do you yeah. think they keep the house? Do you think it's just for status? Because it really seems the way that Hannah and Ashley interact with each other, it seems like they would really be fine just sharing a small apartment together. My guess is that Ashley wanted to keep things as normal for Hannah as possible. And that there is probably, I mean, Hannah certainly cares about status. I think we see that Ashley cares about status as well uh, in a different, slightly different way. And, you know, probably for, for, school districting reasons sure. maybe who knows although i would totally watch the show where um ashley and hannah move into the apartment complex above the gallery yes! where it works and it's oh like, yeah yes that would be that would be wonderful yeah all of the apartments that we know of in rosewood are above other businesses like toby later has the apartment that's above the brew and um so yeah, yeah they're they're all above a business i'm sure that they could find a business to live above and they would have just a, you know, a nice time of it, the two of them. <laughs> Absolutely. But we, we then get our, our look at first head Jason. Uh, he's kind of sweaty and unattractive in his suit and tie. Uh, he's got dark curly hair and uh, his facial proportions seem weird to me. His, it's like his <laughs> mouth and lips are like oddly big for his face when he smiles or I don't know, maybe his ears are oversized you know or something. <laughs> You know what he reminds me of a little bit? I, I feel like there was this period of time where Leonardo DiCaprio went from, like, he hadn't made the transition yet from, like, boy to man. And so there were a few years there where he had this sort of man-boy face, but, like, it was, like, this weird thing where he was, like, somewhere between a boy and a man. I feel like that's what this Jason looks like. Like, he kind of looks like a teenage boy who just, like, put on a face. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we also have a Spencer Queer look alert. <laughs> oh, we do. We do. Um, yeah, Jason is looking like a bargain basement Peter Hastings uh, offspring. But yeah, Spencer Queer look alert. She is wearing a white button-down shirt with a diamond pattern sweater vest and a charming brown and gold necktie. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, it looks much better than Jason's fussy silver and gray tie that he's wearing. Um, and yeah, they're they're going through various exposition in this scene. Uh, but I will say that later when Spencer rises, we see that her outfit is completed with a short skirt and tall boots. Of course. Well, you know, old Jason is here to mansplain the memorial to the liars. He has young Republican written all oh, over him. Does. He really does. And he's just, he's hes kind of doing this weird thing where he's not outright disapproving of the choices the liars have made, but he's sort of implying that he has a better idea of how things should go. Um, you really sort of get the sense 
and you'll get this later in the episode and certainly later in the series that the liars really knew and loved Allie in a way that her family did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the D- the rest of the De Laurentiis family is just not present. Uh, Jessica apparently like couldn't handle it, but I mean, the whole thing of the De Laurentiis leaving town feels super sketchy. And we, of course, later we'll kind of learn a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, one of the big key pieces of information to come out of this scene is the fact that Jenna will speak at the memorial uh, and the liars become really concerned about that. This whole plot point to me felt a little like contrived drama, like the idea that Jenna would really just get up there and reveal that Allison had blinded her didn't really didn't really jive for me but i i that was that way in which this episode feels slightly filler yeah the liars basically believe that there is nothing that jenna is not capable of i think so yeah they just have a they have a guilt response like it's, it's like pavlovian every time like every time her name comes up they're so overwhelmed with guilt that they stop thinking clearly i feel so yeah they're never very rational when it when it comes to her now, one thing about this first-headed Jason, uh, it really doesn't seem like there's anything at all uh, with him and Arya. Uh, they don't really have much interaction. They don't really talk. True. But he does give Hannah kind of a strangely long hug when Hannah enters. Do you think that first-head Jason uh, was maybe not intended as a love interest for any of the girls and or was intended for someone other than Arya? Well, you know, that's really interesting because I didn't really take note of the long hug, but I did take note of the fact that we we sort of, our entry into this scene is with Hannah. And she kind of gives this like long startled look when she sees Jason as though his presence is really unnerving to her. And I I almost felt like there was a slight implication that not necessarily that something romantic had or was going to happen, but that he had been inappropriate or creepy with her interesting at some point in the past but it's not at all followed up on and maybe it's all just meant to be more like hannah's body changed a lot Mm. and stuff Mm. because there's certainly a lot of that in these early episodes that's true that's Uh, true yeah we cut we cut to school where this is so annoying we we aria is walking up to school she sees that flyer for homecoming and we flash back to the entire presria homecoming scene (laughs) Which, this is the second time that within the episode, we've had a flashback to something we saw, like, one or two episodes previously. I don't understand why we couldn't read this in the previously. The only thing worse than having to see this scene is having to see it again. Yes, yes, that is very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the, on this show, there there was never a time in the writer's room when someone said, is this going to be too much Presria and another person said yes like they always were just like we want yeah, more if we, if we gave you a, a dime we'll give you a dollar um but yeah so Arya rips down the flyer and we get that stupid scene again and then we go right over to Hannah and Sean who are talking about going to see Band of Horses which Noel has VIP tickets for um Noel wants Arya to be his beard but doesn't want to ask if she's going to say no uh, and at that point, Hannah promises to make it all happen and heads off to yearbook after calling Sean out for saying Lucas has cooties. <laughs> she, yeah. she calls Sean a goober. That's her parting shot. So uh, randomly, all of this dialogue is like <laughs> 1950s, but that's, <laughs> it really is that's what it is. We're, there are a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, time space. Yeah. 
Yeah, this scene is so funny because Sean and Hannah are going on a date with Noel. Like it's it it's so much presented as like Sean and Noel want to go on this date, yes. and Arya has to come along, so they have so a cover. Hannah has to find a date. <laughs> so Hannah has to find a date. This is like basically the exact situation that Paige and Emily will run into later in the season, mm-hmm. where funnily enough, Sean ends up being being uh, Paige's beard. Yeah, it's really, it's funny. Sean has a line about how it seems like she has an anti-boy zone. And I took the note that Emily is the one with the anti-boy zone. Sean, get it right? Uh, yeah, and uh, this whole this whole business with Lucas is uh, getting, getting interesting. Yes, yes. But love, love is in the air. Do you want to take us through the courtyard? Oh, I, this is, this is like probably, maybe my favorite Amaya scene. It's a really sweet scene. Uh, Emily and Maya are sitting here. They're they're playing. Maya, I'm sure, engineered this situation so that she could put something in Emily's mouth. And I'm not sure. I want to know what the setup to this converse to this interaction was because Emily asks like Maya's going to put like a dead bug in her mouth, and of course Maya just puts like a piece of Satsuma in her mouth. Uh, they have this really, really sweet conversation where Emily is like asking Maya on a date without asking her on a date. She said, oh, maybe we could do something, dinner and a movie. And Maya kind of teases her a little bit, asks, says that that kind of sounds like a date. Emily says, no, no big, just two friends hanging out. And then she says it. She says, yes, I'm asking you on a date. I love that she says it. And I love that Maya kind of in a very gentle teasing way makes her say it it's really it's really really cute and you know I think that this is this is probably like the most that I've ever liked Amaya watching them through now knowing that you know knowing what's going to happen and knowing that Maya is is just really going to be for the most part this really lovely presence in Emily's life this is just, it's really cute. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, watching with the knowledge of all the things that are going to be on the horizon for Amaya, I really mm-hmm. like the because I feel like this is almost like peak happiness for, for Amaya. This is like kind of the the zenith of like their carefree, uh, you know, their carefree, newly in love time period. Well, I agree. And, you know, it also made me think about that this is this is the kind of stage of a relationship that Emerson never really got. Because even when Emerson finally gets together, they don't they don't get happy, carefree, cutesy time. They get, you know, forced pregnancies and, um, you know, Aria, Aria, like covering evidence and like what and secret twins and all of that stuff that was happening so it's just it's nice to see emily just get to enjoy some some happy time with with somebody that she's interested in oh yeah yeah i totally agree and their uh their scene in the courtyard ends with a call from pam yes uh and then we shift over to hannah and lucas who are working on yearbook stuff he compliments one of our ideas as smart (laughs) Yeah, Hannah's apparently suddenly on yearbook committee. Like, she went from having to retake that one picture to now she's just, like, running the yearbook spread. Right, right. It's a thing that she does now. Um, Also, we are continuing the storyline that you called out last week of Lucas introduces Hannah to the internet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hannah has apparently never heard of eBay or of selling things online. And Lucas is... 
a lot of what Lucas does is just kind of mansplaining things to Hannah. He first he mansplains his new camera to her, mm-hmm. and then he mansplains eBay. Um, I also think that this yearbook theme is kind of stupid. And uh, yeah, he's he's really found a way to stay connected to Hannah. She learns about how one can auction things off on the internet, and how she is he, Lucas is going to help her auction some things off to bring in some money for her and her mom. I don't. I also don't buy that Lucas no longer wants his action figures. Oh I yeah, think he totally wants those action figures. Oh, yeah, I definitely. I'm with you on that. Um, we shift over back to the courtyard. Emily hangs up the phone, looking stunned. Um, Arya notices and she asks if she's okay. Emily says it's her dad. Arya has this worried look on her face before Emily says his unit is being rotated out of Afghanistan. And her dad is coming home. And I love the reaction shot of Arya just looking so happy for her. Yeah. You know, I wrote, this is like a stunning moment of self, of like awareness for others that Arya has here. Arya perpetually like wrapped up in her own drama actually looks out the window, sees Emily's concern and comes outside. Uh, And I really like Emily's face here too. Like she's kind of overwhelmed. She's really hopeful and excited, but you also see some fear there. Uh, because obviously this this phone call is coming right on the heels of all of this Maya development and she's she's got a, a few things to balance at this point yes yes uh, that night Spencer is trying to write out something to say about Allison and we flash back again to that day at the lake uh, back when Jenna could see uh, Allison's nickname for Jenna is apparently Jenna the jerk and uh, they all discuss Jenna hanging out with a D-list crowd of people who uh, are, we never see again, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I, what made them so D-list, I wonder? I do love the shot of we start with Jenna with a pair of sunglasses on, and then she takes off the sunglasses, and you see that she's she's. Sun- yes. Uh, I, I thought that was a great shot. Um, uh they talk yeah, about where Toby is, and Allison says he's off in the woods sacrificing squirrels. Back in the present day, Spencer gets an A message. Uh, read the dedication. Do it right. I'll be watching, just like Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, we also see, this is really one of our first instances in the flashback of Allison and Spencer really locking horns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Spencer's hair in the flashback is a very good look. <laughs> Yes, yes. Also, Spencer, um, Spencer's bathing suit at the lake, I thought, is a really nice look for her as well. Um, Spencer is not sitting in a chair lower than Allison. Spencer is actually, like, kind of doing her own thing. Uh, the other girls are all sitting in chairs, and she is sprawled out on a towel. Yeah, all of the flashback blocking tells you a lot about the specific dynamics of the liars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Spencer is, like, she's like the furthest away from Allison in their, in their grouping. Mm-hmm. Like she has the most distance between her and where Allison is, is being the center of attention. Right. Right. So we go to school the next day. We have this Hannah and Aria um, hallway conversation. Hannah is trying to convince um, Aria to go with Noel uh, what's funny is that I feel like in this whole scene and, and later in the episode, the way that they're saying Noel's name, you can almost hear the exclamation point. <laughs> this is Noel Khan. It's Noel Khan. Um, Aria, Ari, we learned that Aria had a big crush on Noel all through middle school. Hannah, of course, thinks that Aria is still hung up on the Icelandic boyfriend. She has a very funny line where she says, stop pining for the fjords and carpe hottie. <laughs> 
and and we really see that that Arya, I mean, she's sort of playing it off as being all about her family, her her reluctance to to go on the date. Uh, but but once again, we're seeing that Presria has really isolated Arya mm-hmm. because she can't talk to her friends about this. She can't, you know, quote unquote, can't go on a date with this boy because she's wrapped up in the Ezria drama. And yeah, she just, she has nobody to talk to. And we, oh, do you want to say something? No, I was just going to say that Hannah is not taking no for an answer. When Arya tries no. to plead that her family blew up, Hannah immediately sells it as taking her mind off all that. So she's really, right. she's really riding hard for it. Uh, Arya takes us into a flashback at the beach. Uh, Allie is bagging on Prudence Finn for getting a boob job to attract Noel's attention. Uh, Noel is described by Hannah as brainy, rich, and cute. Uh, and then Allie tells us that she likes her guys a little more mature. Yes. Yeah, and of course, we know that Allie was involved with like three other mature guys at this point. Mm-hmm. Also, Emily makes a comment about like, oh, did that girl get a boob job? And it's like, Emily, like you were not noticing that girl's boobs. Come on. <laughs> Um, you know, it's also funny yeah, that when Allison, Allison says she likes guys a little more mature, it's extremely possible that the guy she's thinking of is none other than one Presra Fitz, the gentleman well, who Aria herself is currently hung up on. I took that note as well. And, you know, we, we see in these flashbacks, Allison's brilliant kind of manipulation of the liars. She's really, she's goading Aria about Noel and kind of insult kind of giving Arya these backhanded compliments and in some way weird way though those comments probably influenced Arya's interest in somebody like Presra Fitz yeah 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 but here Um, in the present uh the flashback has convinced Arya that she should give it a chance and she texts Hannah to count her in yes indeed Yes, indeed. We go to the yearbook room, which has super creepy lighting and a super creep inside the room. Wilden is pawing through the pictures very grossly. Uh, All of my notes about Wilden are punctuated by like the word creepy and gross. Hannah walks in and Wilden is asking Hannah about Emily. He is apparently the, the, the working theory at this point is that Emily like helped Toby skip town. And there's some kind of, I don't know, Bonnie and Clyde situation here. What's, what's interesting is that we will learn later that Jason and Wilden have some history. Yes. But Hannah, Hannah really goes toe-to-toe to him. He's, he's being really menacing and threatening. And she makes the comment that uh, maybe Jason would like to know that the cop investigating his sister's murder used to hang around my house wearing a towel. Yeah. Um, this early version of Jason first had Jason... Uh, he kind of mentioned earlier when he was in town for the memorial, he's here to throw his weight around a little bit and to try to get the police to uh, mm-hmm. be responding uh, more proactively and to maybe make some progress on the investigation. So it seems like because he's been here and he's been throwing his weight around, uh, Wilden has redoubled his efforts uh, to, to try and make it look like something is happening. Now, we know from the full run of the show Wilden knows exactly what happened that night, as does Jason's mother. Uh, but of course, mm-hmm. uh, of course, no one else is aware of that at this time. So Wilden, what he's really doing is redoubling his efforts to try and make someone else, i.e. a minor child, appear to be guilty. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, something I always wished about the later seasons is that there had been more follow-up to 
Jason's thoughts on the Charlotte reveal and the reveal that Allison had been alive. We never really got his perspective, but he was kind of the Mikey Montgomery in that situation, the, the boy in the family who nobody was talking to. And he was presumably, other than Kenneth, one of the only characters who didn't know, you know, that Allison was alive and about Charlotte. And we never really... Well, this Jason is really, he's a very different, uh, he's different physically, and he's also different in terms of a character uh, mm-hmm. from the Jason that we, we get for for the remainder of, of the run, uh, Jason with the good abs and the Jesus hair, etc. Um, but so, so this Jason, let, let's just talk about like what, what his character does or does not have in common with later seasons Jason. Is sure. this Jason an alcoholic, as far as we know? We see him drinking heavily later in the episode, but it's not it's not really coded as him. I mean, Jason, later Jason, there's references to him having been like in and out of rehab, uh, having a, a history with substance abuse, not just alcohol, too. And that doesn't really seem present to me in this character. Does it seem that way to you? Uh, no, I I don't think that this Jason is is really written as as having a substance abuse problem, uh, at least not in this episode. And do we think that this Jason? Uh, well, I guess I guess we're sort of answering one for two. But uh, does this Jason have any questions in his own mind and heart about whether he may have harmed Allison? I was getting the sense that this Jason believes that Spencer is the one who harmed Allison. That that's. That's the implication that this is really our first episode that's laying the groundwork of did Spencer kill, kill or hurt Allison and Spencer herself, I think we see in this episode, isn't 100% certain that she did not. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And then uh, is this Jason uh, a person who was ever involved with the NAT club? I think so. In actually, in some ways, he seems more NAT than later seasons. Jason, later I agree. seasons, Jen, Jason always seemed too like I don't know, too sort of like mellow and perpetually stoned to be really much of a much of a menacing presence. This mm-hmm. Jason, this Jason feels more menacing to me than later seasons. Jason, what about you? Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, I feel like the NAT club fits better with this particular Jason uh, than than with the later Jason for sure yeah yeah like this this jason feels much more patriarchal i think yeah this this jason is like a dad junior he feels like yes um like he aspires to basically be one of these gross rosewood men who's one of Mm -hmm. the dad um later jason does not feel that way later jason feels more like uh an adult in in the vein of of ren a a little bit of a, a man boy um in terms of where where he falls on the adult spectrum yeah well i i think another thing is that older jason almost feels like he could be allison's younger brother like he's he feel he does not have the the older energy to me in the same sense and it it feels very much like allison well maybe not across the board but like allison was much more the alpha sibling and this jason seems more kind of aloof and far off i mean don't we find out later that jason's alibi was that he was like too stoned yes much like ella montgomery's alibi is that she was too drunk everybody just you know yeah everybody had fun that night (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah so uh hannah isn't taking any of of wilden's crap in the yearbook office 
And then we go over to the library where we have a great Ooh. scene of Spencer approaching Jenna. Uh, at first, they talk about Jason. You know, he's different. He's polished. When Jenna spoke to him, she felt almost like Allie was in the room, which made me laugh. I think it would be very Allison to now that uh, now that Jenna is blind to just like follow Jenna like a few steps behind her for like, you know, a day uh, if she could do so without being seen. But Spencer wants to know what Jenna is going to say at the dedication. Jenna says, I was going to speak from the heart. And then Spencer is like, Jenna, what do you want? Jenna says, (laughs) what you what I want. You can't give me. You and your friends are careless. You break things and you think you're never going to have to pay for them. Spencer's like, we are paying for it. We're paying for it every day. And Jenna says, how much? Who's counting? And then Spencer leans in. Like, they're having all this very loaded dialogue. And then Spencer leans in for the threat, just like you would lean in for a kiss, telling Jenna that they loved Allie and she deserves this memorial. And then... That's when Jenna drops the bomb that Allison was done with Spencer. She was scared of her. And then Jenna, uh, like Spencer, who like spends all this time throughout the series accusing like everybody in Rosewood. Like if you live in Rosewood, you probably get issued a Spencer Hastings accused me of murder t-shirt. This is the first time that Spencer is accused and Jenna, Jenna does it. She says, you know, Allison was scared of you. Is that why one of you did what you did oh yes good reenactment um yeah this scene is this... That's, you know i'm into queer spencer and yeah. i was uh, i was very into the spencer jenna chemistry oh my god that. this scene th- there is more chemistry in this scene than in seven seasons of spoby um <laughs> just saying uh yeah this scene is interesting on a number of levels first of all it totally crackles with sexual tension but it's laying the groundwork for a lot of things. I mean, first of all, Jenna's lines about, like, does Jason seem different? Uh, is funny because in a few episodes, Jason will be totally different and will sound and look and probably smell different. Um, but I had forgotten how early in the series they were laying the groundwork for Spencer maybe being violent or blacking out or having hurt Allison. And We'll see that, obviously, in season four, that really comes back up. But uh, we'll see that throughout the run of the series. That's always a thread that I wish the show had leaned into a little bit more. And I always kind of felt like the, I mean, always in terms of when it was revealed, that that the final reveal of Alex Drake was sort of to make up for the fact that a lot of people were really into this idea that Spencer might have been involved more than she even knew or wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like uh, if, if the, if a was going to be one of the girls, I like the solution of it being Spencer uh, having had a mental break and the idea that Spencer would have spent the entire run of the show uh, basically chasing after herself. I thought that Mm -hmm. that was like an interesting idea. I know a lot of people really stand for, uh, you know, Aria being a, but but Spencer, if it had to be one of the girls, uh, I I probably would have picked her. I think that would have been really interesting. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I know that the Rosewatch PLL two podcast, their sort of running theory was that Spencer was the killer, but Aria was a. And I mm. always thought the splitting of that was kind of interesting. Uh, but I do think in it, it's sort of like 
there's something that feels very right about Spencer being a about Spencer literally, you know, chasing her own tail, chasing her own black hood. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and certainly Spencer having having killed Allison or hurt Allison feels there's something that feels really right about that too. It just it's like it's like there would be a way in which she was killing a part of herself because Allison was a part of all of the liars. Yeah, and also that's like. I mean, I I feel like there's just so much, uh, there's so much in the Hastings family of, you know, who, who's on top, who's the king of the hill and, you know, how, how do you become the king? You know, somebody dies and you take the three, you know, like, I feel like that would be sort of Spencer's ascension to the position of leader uh, would be that, you know, even though Hannah becomes the it girl, Hannah winds up looking like Allison, um, Spencer is the one who really uh, winds up wielding a lot of the power within the group dynamic. Totally, totally. Um, before we move on from this scene, I have a question, which is, you know, there's the line that Jenna has about you and your friends are careless and you break things and you think you never have to pay for them. And Spencer responds that they're paying for them every day. Um, at this point, Spencer and the other liars think that Jenna is involved in the whole A scheme. But we'll learn later that Jenna, in fact, is not A. <clears throat> Do you think that the liars have paid for what they've done for Jenna? Or do they? you think they ever pay for what they no. do for Jenna? No. No. I don't think so either. <laughs> no. They, they don't pay for a thing. Yeah. Um, I, think that, I, I think that what's happening here, Spencer is holding this conversation. She's doing something that's actually pretty brave. She is sitting down with Jenna and engaging with her on the principle that they both know that Jenna is A. Like, right. Spencer is talking to Jenna like she would talk to A if A right. were a person. Um, but Jenna is talking to Spencer like Spencer is a person who blinded her, which <laughs> she is. Yeah. So yeah. Jenna is Jenna is really right on. I think that Jenna's interpretation of what Spencer is saying, I think she just sort of feels like Spencer is saying, we feel really badly about this. And that may be true. The liars may or may not feel badly about it. They may, may feel more badly at certain times than they do at others. But no, I definitely don't think that the liars have paid in any real way for what they've done to Jenna. And uh, also, they have never accepted responsibility and apologized to Jenna, which right. I feel like would go a-, a long way in terms of their accounting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. These early seasons are sort of these early episodes are sort of lessons in how how not to take accountability for things. I mean, between Byron and the liars and, uh, you know, Ezra, like all of these characters are doing these terrible things and then not doing any of the repair work to, like, fix these things. And I think that the liars dynamic with Jenna through the whole series is a prime example of that. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree. Uh, But we do go to the next scene of Hannah and Lucas. Uh, They're taking pictures of Hannah's less loved bags to sell online. Uh, Apparently, Lucas talks to Hannah about the Star Wars prequels because, of course, he does. Uh, (laughs) That leads to Hannah flashing back to a day on the beach uh, where Allie is making fun of Lucas and acting like his remote control boat might have a camera on it. Um, which is another thing that people bring to the beach in Rosewood, a remote controlled boat. To, <laughs> Apparently. You know, put out on the lake. Uh, Allison calls Lucas Hermie, uh, Hermie the Hermaphrodite, which 
uh, is an issue in and of itself. I feel like that was a canary in the coal mine of transphobia. The show yeah. was going to was going to hit later on. Um, and Hannah, actually, in this scene, she very bravely attempts to put a stop to it, even though Lucas is no one to her at this point. Um, and Allie says, don't look back, Hannah. You never know who might be gaining on you. Yeah, I mean, you really see that way in which Hannah was always, Allison always kept Hannah right on the edge of being dropped. And, uh, and this was how she kept her in place. Because Hannah has such a big heart, but Allison, Allison kind of used, used Hannah's insecurity against her. Um, I took the note that Hannah should sell her underwear online because Lucas would buy it. Uh, she could make all that money in like an afternoon. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we go to the Marin house where this, we're going to see this interesting, like the beginning of an interesting arc, which is the beginning of the Ashley Byron arc, which is something that I am so glad did not get much more airtime. Byron, uh, has come by with some money for the memorial, although he first just says that he is handing her an envelope of money, and Ashley thinks that uh, this is because of the Marin money issues. Byron, of course, is like finding a way to make this all about him being the martyred single father. He's just trying to hold it all together and take care of his kids. Ashley's words are sympathetic, but her face says that she does not care about his man pain. After all, he was the man who destroyed his family. And also Ashley, as a woman who not that long ago was cheated on and it broke up her marriage. Like, I feel, because isn't that part of the story yeah. of how, yeah. So I feel like she really has no time for Byron. Uh, yeah, Byron goes into this whole metaphor about how he feels like he's he's living inside a wind tunnel. And it's like, who turned on the wind, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, I put Ashley as sympathetic because she has terrible taste in men and also oh. she's the best. Yeah, yeah. Ashley does have terrible taste in men. That's that's really her her weakness. Uh yeah, this it, it's it's uh it'll be interesting to talk about the evolution of this this little this little relationship here. Yes, yes. Um at school, Jason has just bullied the principal regarding something memorial related. Uh he power struggles with the girls a little and then enter Wilden industriously searching Toby's locker. Uh Jason and Wilden trade barbs. Wilden drops the bomb that Toby called Allison the night she died and Allison took the call. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Jason and Wilden are, are um, you know, they're basically having like a peeing competition here, like seeing who can be more of the man. I also would like to note that Spencer is wearing some knee socks in this scene. Um, and uh, Spencer Hastings, you know. Uh, yeah, the night of a thousand nights, Toby called Allison. And then we go into Emily's room where she's preparing for her date with Maya. So cute. She I know she puts on the scarf that Maya got her and the, the way that she looks at herself in the mirror, there are a number of scenes throughout the series where Emily looks at herself in the mirror and they're always great. And in this one, you just see, she's like mustering up her courage and her excitement. And we go into this flashback. Would you like to talk about this flashback? Oh, I would love to. Uh, we flashback to Allison telling Emily about the kissing rock, which becomes really a part of the show's mythology uh, you, according to Allison, you go there and you can feel all the ghosts pushing you to do it. And also for Allison, you should never disappoint a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like all these lines that don't really mean anything that Allison says them in this way where it's like they mean yes. everything. You know, she Allison's everywhere and nowhere and her words mean everything. I mean, poor everything. Emily. Poor Emily and her baby gay heart. Who could resist? Who could resist Allison uh, talking about how you should not disappoint a ghost? Uh, also, Allison has a significant pause and then she asks Emily who do you want to take there? And they have a significant look exchange because it is understood by the audience that it is understood between Emily and Allison that both Allison and Emily understand that Emily would like to take Allison to the kissing rock. Of course. Now, do we ever get confirmation that they went to the kissing rock pre Ali disappearing? Um, I don't know if we ever get specific confirmation about that, but there is the, um, I, isn't there a, a time when Allison is wanting to have a meetup and she sort of tells Emily to go to their place and the place that Emily goes yes. is the Kissing Rock? Yes, and then don't they have, like, very G-rated sex at the Kissing Rock in season seven? Oh, is, yeah, I think that it, I think they might be at the, yeah, they put some nice candles on it that the camera can pan to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, 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 we, like, we, like, blur over, like, Emily, like, reaching her arm out, and, like, vaguely touching Allison's shoulder. You know, just your <laughs> as, typical as lesbian you sex. Do. Uh, yeah, but then yeah. the present, uh, Emily is back to just looking at herself and adjusting the metaphor scarf. Yes, the metaphor scarf. Uh, this scene back at the Marin house is really, really funny. <laughs> we have we have our little foursome here. We have um, the two couples, Sean and Noel, and Hannah and Aria. Aria could not look more over this whole thing. Noel and Sean are flirting about Sean's former uh-huh. band. Um, they, they are, so the arrangement, I guess, of this date is that they've ordered food. They're going to eat some of it, but save some of it, go to the concert and then come back and like finish their pizza and crazy bread. We never actually see them leave for the concert. So it almost feels like they didn't go at all. Um, but, but, uh, when the boys go to fetch the crazy bread, uh, Hannah asks if Aria can at least pretend to, to have a good time. And Aria very badly lies and says that she is having a good time. <laughs> Hannah is so so ruthless after dragging Arya on this date. Hannah blames the lack of the lack of energy completely on her. She says the lights are dimming because of all the energy you're sucking out of the air. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. It's like, like Noel and, and Hannah are both trying so hard to make like romantic chemistry happen with their would be partners and Sean and Aria just are like, nope, <laughs> not not happening, not into it. Uh, of course, it's Lucas at the door, and he is. I find it so. I get that like they're in a small. They live in a small town. I find it weird that he came to her house. The only thing that makes it less weird is that he's bringing money, the money that she made on selling the bags. It's not just like a house call related to your book, but it's maybe this is a small town thing, but like. That's a little oh funny. no, I, I, I definitely think that he was hoping that Sean and Noel were going to be at the concert and he would catch Hannah home alone on a Friday night with no plans and then they would get to go and spend this money that he has brought to her uh, on, you know, pizza and Star Wars video rentals of their own. Yeah, he'd like take her to the arcade or yeah. something and yeah. 
Um, yeah, he's, he's, you know, Hannah is a little cold with him, but, but still kind. Uh, she accepts the money and he goes on his merry way. Yes. And then we go to Amaya at the movies. Of course, of course, we have, it has to be a vintage movie. <laughs> the only, the only modern movie that exists in the Pretty Little Liars universe is Insidious 2. That's even more insidious. <laughs> When uh, Karate Jake and and uh, Arya will watch it later in the series, but they're they're off to see. Is it? I walked yes. with the zombies. Yes, and they're talking about uh, Emily's dad. Maya's really sweetly interviewing Emily about how Emily is feeling. Maya would like to meet him. Emily doesn't answer her as the lights go dark. But then Emily takes Maya's hand in the dark. It is so sweet. Now, I walked with a zombie. I'm just going to, it is a movie with some troubling racial overtones. So I am really glad that Amaya spends most of the movie making out instead of watching it. Okay. Okay. And, and later, um, there, there will be a, a shirt that Emily will get um, delivered to her by Creepy Nate. <laughs> Do you remember that the shirt that she gets that Maya sent her? Had, it's the I walked with the zombie. I had almost forgotten about that. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, we go back to Hastings where Jason Jason is like doing full on Peter Hastings cosplay here. He's like got his he's got his you know like loosened tie. He's got a glass of whiskey. He's sitting by the fireplace. He's being ultra daddish and menacing oh yeah and his his audition for uh for membership in the lesser hastings uh dynasty is that what he's talking about is that um you know whether closure is possible he doesn't think it is and he actually comes out and says he doesn't think it actually matters if the case gets solved or not allison is still dead his mom still needs pills to sleep and then he uh in a in a very Slytherin slash Hastings move, uh, tells Spencer that Allison told him about the fire and the stink bomb, but Allison made it sound like it was all Spencer's doing. Uh, and then Spencer, uh, Jason kind of closes that out by saying that Spencer was the only one who ever challenged Allie. Right. And interestingly, in this scene, Spencer asks Jason, who do you think killed Allison? And I think she's half expecting Jason to say that he thinks she killed Allison. And, and you know, this is something that we'll see time and time again with Spencer's uh, suspicion of herself is that she, she'll constantly be saying to other people, basically, tell me I'm guilty. Tell me I did it. Tell me you think it was me. Uh, and and it almost gets more frustrated when she doesn't get that response. It's like she wants to be – it's like in that way that Spencer wants to prove that everybody else is A – she kind of wants to prove that she's guilty too. And yet, of course, she's also terrified of that. Yeah, it's, it's like pressing on a bruise, I feel like. That's that's what yes. she's constantly doing when she does that with people. Yeah, I mean, Spencer, I think, is is has a can be very masochistic in in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, back at the movies, two women are walking through a cane field to meet a voodoo practitioner. Uh, and two other women are making out. And tipping over the popcorn. Yeah, they knock over the popcorn bucket yep. and they engage in, I would say, some of the most passionate queer kissing we ever see over the whole course of the show. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, Maya and Emily get the most hot and heavy, I think, that Emily gets with any of her girlfriends. Because yep. that we'll see that later as well. Uh, I really love this detail in this episode. You know, the next episode is The Perfect Storm. And in this episode, 
I want it almost feels like these two were maybe film like written or filmed to- together because in this episode the storm is starting and then it they really feel the effects of it so back at the Marin house the rain is coming down I guess that they've come back from the concert at this point uh and Aria is just sort of glumly picking at the crest Noel wants to know why Arya's not into him. He says, remind me, did I run over your dog or something? Which is really funny, considering that later they will be complicit in his head getting cut off. Uh, Oh, oh, how innocent they were. (laughs) She has this great line where she says, you're great. You're Noel, (laughs) as if that says it all. (laughs) And we find out that Hannah, with the loose lips, has told Noel about Arya's pretend Icelandic boyfriend. Uh, and, and, you know, Arya says, well, basically Noel surmises that it was serious because, you know, they're 16 and life is so very serious. Uh, Noel is pretty charming and he gets Arya to open up and Arya has a line where she says something about, and of course she's talking about Presria, I have to be realistic. And like Arya is the least realistic person on the show. And the scene ends with an SOS from Spencer. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going to go in and say that, uh, with or without his head, I still think that Noel is a better match for Arya than her non-Icelandic adult male English teacher. Oh, totally. Okay, so here's a question for you. Are you mo- more of a Noel Arya shipper or a Jason Arya? Well, you know what? In the world of the show, uh, I think I'm I'm a Jason Arya shipper uh, just because I, I like... I like second Jason. <laughs> I like uh, I like Jason. Uh, I, I don't know what we would call him. Abs Jason, Jesus hair Jason, um, alcohol Jason. I feel like that Jason uh, grows and changes as a character uh, as he works through managing his addiction and as he kind of grows up from uh, a shiftless, uh, you know, older teen to to become an adult. Uh, I, I just feel like he has growth that a lot of the guys on the show don't have. Uh, and I like him better with Arya than any of the other people that they pair her with. But I have a lot of fondness uh, for Arya and Noel because I like their relationship in the books. So I have residual uh, Arya-Noel fondness. And I, I would like certainly, uh, I mean, I, I God, I would accept anyone. I would accept Karate Jake. I would accept like, bed and breakfast hookup dude I, I would take like oh god actually any of those men uh for aria over her adult male english teacher um but i i would say um you know certainly at this point in the show i would take noel with or without his head yeah i think that that early seasons noel and aria like i actually think they have really good chemistry uh-huh. here in this scene and uh but noel gets progressively creepier as the show goes on and jason i would say gets more developed as the show goes on and so i'm more into um into jason and aria ultimately and i mean ultimately neither couple really gets much more than crumbs but you know it's 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 interesting in the next episode noel and aria will have a will have a little duet uh (laughs) we um we go back to Hastings. Spencer is fluffing pillows in distress, which is a very waspy thing to do. Um, our Emily apparently had to leave her movie date. I'm assuming to, to maybe they made it. Maybe they made it through the movie. 
but but they make the comment that this is still Allison's movie and we're just filling up the screen. Yeah. Way to clam jam there, Spencer, having an SOS. <laughs> Emily is in the middle of her date. Um, but yeah, Spencer's freaked out about uh, Jason knowing this this story about what happened to Jenna, but having the blame be on Spencer. Uh, and so everyone is just a, a Twitter about it. Uh, they are. Shift to the Marin house the next morning. The fridge is full of food. There are fancy waters. There's a whole pineapple. I took that note as well. I went back. I had to go back. I was like, is there a whole pineapple? In there? I think that Hannah may never have grocery shopped before. Because there's all an extreme amount of butter on the fridge door. Like the shopping cart was like her shopping cart was like four pounds of butter, this pineapple, a bunch of fancy water, and probably some Chardonnay. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, my headcanon is that uh, Hannah brought her fake ID <laughs> and bought her mom some Chardonnay because she was like, you know, mom needs this. Maybe a box of wine. <laughs> um, but Ashley is grateful, but she's not thrilled that Hannah sold her bags. Uh, she promises to take care of things. And Hannah says, you know, she was bored of those bags anyway, and it was fun. Uh, and Ashley just, just seems kind of resigned. Like, this is... Not the greatest situation, but she's glad they have food. Yeah, it's kind of a classic Ashley Hannah thing where Ashley is like, I'm not terribly pleased about what my daughter did, but for her, it was in the right place. And neither one of us are going to jail today. So I'm counting it a win. <laughs> yes, yes. And then at long last, we are at the memorial. Uh, it's because the storm outside, it's taking place in a, a room at the school and basically all the liars make speeches about how Allie's bad points made them stronger. Yeah, yeah. This is, interestingly, right at the beginning of this, Ian shows up, totally throwing Spencer off her game. Mm -hmm. And then Wilton shows up. We're doubling down on the Predators. Spen Spencer has this interesting line where she says that Allison was the first friend she felt she could be angry with without worrying that she was going to lose her, which... I I, I kind of love that nuance that it, that really is a, a very particular experience when you are friends with somebody in a way where you feel like you can get mad at them and the friendship will survive. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's a great encapsulation of the Allison and Spencer dynamic. Uh, Hannah remarks that you can't fool friends. Emily remarks that uh, Allison would want to make sure that you didn't forget about her. Aria continues to be, really self-congratulatory about the memorial um and spencer spencer calls attention to allison's laugh which was amazing um everyone holds their breath as jenny oh, know, i just want to say i feel like spencer's remark about allison's laugh is a really impolitic choice of something to talk about being that allison like bullied and harassed and laughed at like a large percentage of the school population that's a good point that's a good point i also like I don't know. There's something a little bit queer about commenting on the sound of your friend's laugh. Although I guess we can't really say that anymore because Allison and Spencer are. Uh, well, but I mean, they don't know they're related at this point. And, it, you know, I firmly believe that if Pretty Little Liars had gone on for like seven more seasons, either they all would have been related by the end or there would have been like a double blind reveal that like mary drake was actually like the daughter of like some other you know i mean it, it could have just yeah totally. like she and jessica were identical twins but had totally different parents and 
<laughs> they were like it was like an orphan black situation i mean there's <laughs> totally totally that could have happened but um i do think it's a little bit queer and i will also say that whatever the uh whatever the figurines on the birdbath basin are doing i think it kind of looks like they might be ghost waltzing oh yo the ghost waltz oh that's such a good scene yeah yeah um yeah jenna walks up and everybody is like like the liars act like she's just gonna like tear her glasses off and like you know she lays her fingers out of her eyes exactly like point at them and like start you know exorcist vomiting or something like they're so they're so freaked out um but jenna actually says something really interesting uh this isn't all of what she said but but part of it is she says my whole life i thought i knew who allison was but i found out the truth when she came and talked to me at the hospital i found out that she was the strongest person that i had ever met which okay yeah and she goes on to say that allison's legacy will endure in all the people that her strength shaped and inspired and she is just rattling the liar's cages so hard in the scene it's so great but I feel like what, what she's saying about Allison's strength and how Allison continues, uh, continues to exist in the way that she shaped other people who she was around and who she influenced, I feel like this is kind of like the idea of, um, of being a secret keeper in Harry Potter. If you're a person who holds a secret of a location inside of you, the only people who can know that location are people that you specifically tell. And if you die, everyone who knows that secret then becomes the secret keeper. And I feel like that is mm. kind of the dynamic of what has gone on with the liars. Like Allison's secrets are now their secrets and they are all kind of jointly the keeper of like this flame of Allison's of like secrets and lies and like becoming a stronger woman because of these forces as they they work on you hmm yeah i mean it, it, it's interesting the way that the jenna the jenna thing meaning the event itself functions in these early in these early episodes it really is it's it's the thing that that holds them together and the thing that tears them apart and there's almost this sense that if that information got out not only would they potentially be in trouble, but something, the strength of their bond might break a little bit. You know, the, their bond is, is not as strong as it will become later in the series. And so it's almost like they need the secret to hold them together. Um, and and they're, really, they're really recognizing how much they need that bond at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, after the service, the liars debrief in the Hastings kitchen where Jason thanks them on behalf of the De Laurentiis family and gives them a gift of Allison's friendship bracelet that was on her wrist when the police found her. Why would the police give this to him? It is evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's just get a whole bunch more DNA all over this bracelet. Just like rub our hands all over it. Like Arya rubbing that lipstick on herself. Killer, here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better luck next time. Yeah, yeah. It's just imagine that they just had like like sort of like a grab bag that was full of, <laughs> of evidence connected to Allison and they were like here buddy pick one you know like oh my like like white elephant style <laughs> like they just you know wrap it up and yeah a couple of yellow tops and yeah 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 it's um doesn't doesn't make much sense I love the detail in this scene that Spencer is 
positioned really far away from Jason and won't look at him. <laughs> yeah. But the, the reason the liars freak out about this is not just because it's it's creepy and morbid, but also it's very spooky right. is the bracelet they found in the woods must therefore be a copy or a fake that someone left there for them to find. Yeah, and this really feels like one of our first early hints that the body found in the dealer rent's yard was not Allison. Yeah, that things that look alike are not always the same. Exactly, exactly. Yes, uh, we cut to sort of an A tag. We a shadow crosses Ali's memorial and starts to destroy it. Yes, uh, someone takes a shovel and busts up the art tiles. They stomp the candles, they tear up the flowers, and they wreck the birdbath basin. And okay, we know, like from knowing the rest of the show, we know this is Lucas. And I really have to agree. When we started talking about him, I was like, oh, you know, I don't mind him. And you were like, oh, he's real creepy. He's, you know, really a nice guy. He'd be an incel. I have to agree that the level of rage that he is feeling towards someone who has been dead for a year, uh, that he goes and he busts up the memorial like this, is is hugely out of proportion. And I feel like that does indicate that, like, inside of Lucas is a lot of just really, like unresolved anger and uh you know a a pretty a pretty dark vein uh of of his feelings towards allison and and towards women and also i think we have to say because you know she was allison's best friend and she now looks like allison towards hannah as well yeah i agree completely and you know i i also wonder much in the way that mona really resents the liars because they represent Hannah forging friendships beyond her friendship with, with Mona. The memorial is really a symbol of the liars coming together to honor Allison, work on this project, and also come back together as friends. And I do wonder if Lucas, who is really enjoying this burgeoning friendship that he hopes will turn into more with Hannah, is kind of um, threatened by the liars' friendships, friendship as well that he sees that as an obstacle because I think in his mind, you know, he's going to become Hannah's best friend. And then over time, that's going to turn into something more. And he maybe sees Mona as just sort of vapid or not really somebody that Hannah can totally confide in, but you know, he's going to be the guy that Hannah leans on all the time. And then one day, you know, he'll, take his glasses off and she'll be blown away by how handsome he is well yeah also i don't think that lucas's fantasy is that he is going to start dating hannah and then he is going to become a popular guy because he's dating a popular girl i think his fantasy is that um hannah will date him and they will like they'll just sort of both be at his level of social status he stands a better chance with hannah if Hannah is weak and Hannah just gave a big speech about how That's Allison true. made her strong. He wants the Hannah. That's a great point. He wants the Hannah who did not go through what she went through with Allison. And I think that's another source of his Allison rage that he's kind of dealing with here. Like he doesn't want to, to profit from the social system. Like he doesn't want to become Hannah's popular boyfriend. He would rather actually just like, blow that social system up and and wreck this memorial and you know wreck just the the class system of the high school uh you know rather than participate in it i think 
Yeah, I mean, I and I also wonder if even his fantasy would would almost be more that Hannah would and he would get to feel even more rageful, or oh. that or that Hannah would Hannah would would want him, but he would be able to reject her. Like if it's if it's a little bit more vengeful, even than just oh. Hannah falling in love with him and him falling back in love with her. I mean, I I do think that the you know that that's sort of part of the whole incel thing is like the idea that you don't even really want the relationship you want you want the justification for your rage yeah and like i'm i mean allison i, I don't want to brush over the fact like allison was horrible to him allison bullied totally. him allison said unforgivable things to him but i just think that after you know like she's she's gone and not only gone she's presumed dead so it's like he just has all this rage at a dead person like find yourself a therapist that's my that's my concluding thought for lucas i hear dr ann sullivan is very good yes and you know i mean certainly mona likes to fixate on things but you know she's at least fixating on the people that are still living yes yes um yeah his his level of rage is is pretty out of control i recommend a good dose of therapy for him yes i agree I agree. Yeah. And then, yeah, that'll, con- that, that will continue as the show goes on. Um, but all in all, this is a, this is a good episode. It, it is a little bit more filler, but it's, it's leading us up to the next episode, the perfect storm, which is jam packed. It's kind of the PLL version of a bottle episode. And uh, it's, it's, I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. Till next time. Uh, if you want to talk about anything that you've, uh, that we've been covering in the episode, if you have any other, uh, thoughts if you have a recommendation for a good therapist that Lucas might be able to see <laughs> please hit us up uh, on our email it's uh, everybodyapodcast at gmail.com um, you can also check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast uh, we would we would love to hear from you and um, yes we will be we will be posting two episodes this week so look out for the perfect storm in a little bit Thank you.